Hello, and welcome back to the IPHO podcast. I'm Alexi, and I'm currently the Global Patient Safety Fellow with UCB. Through my fellowship's affiliation with IPHO, I'll be hosting monthly episodes here on the IPHO podcast. I'll have guests on every episode that will help me provide you, the listeners, with the podcast that I wish I had as a resource when I was a pharmacy student. We'll tackle subjects like navigating mid-year, what you can do as a student to get relevant experiences on your CV, day-in-the-life episodes where you'll hear from fellows in various functional areas, and so much more. I really hope you find these episodes helpful. With that being said, enjoy the show. And now a quick sponsored message. This episode is brought to you by Novo Nordisk, a global healthcare company working to defeat diabetes and other serious chronic diseases such as obesity, rare blood diseases, and rare endocrine diseases. The Novo Nordisk Industry Practice Fellowship offers fellowship tracks that range from one to two-year programs. The details of the fellowship can be found in the brochure in the description. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, I am joined by two amazing guests, Jesse Kim and Richard Kale. Jesse is a first-year fellow in Global Regulatory Affairs at UCB in conjunction with IPHO. She is a recent 2021 grad of the Eshelman School of Pharmacy at UNC Chapel Hill. Rich is a first-year fellow in marketing at Becton Dickinson in conjunction with IPHO. He graduated from Keck Graduate Institute School of Pharmacy. Today, the three of us are going to discuss what to look for when choosing a fellowship program. There's obviously plenty of options out there, and most positions are affiliated with some sort of institution, whether it be an academic university or another organization like IPHO. There are also positions that are not affiliated with any outside institutions besides the sponsor company. So obviously the three of us, we all chose fellowships affiliated with IPHO. So we are going to talk a little bit about our thought processes, how we weighed the different options, and ultimately why we all chose what we chose. Hopefully you listeners find this helpful as we know several fellowship programs have already opened their applications. So it's a very timely subject and we hope you enjoy it. So let's begin. Uh, this is basically going to work like a Q&A, so I'm just going to ask questions and then we're going to alternate and discuss various topics just so the listeners uh, know what to expect for this episode. So the first question that I have for you guys is, how would you explain to P4s some of the differences between fellowships affiliated with universities versus fellowships affiliated with IPHO or versus fellowships that are totally independent and have no affiliation? So Jesse, I'll start with you. Yeah, um, university-affiliated fellowships, basically they require you to teach at the affiliated school. So if you're looking for some experiences experiences in academia or mentorship, um, then this is going to be the fellowship program that you want to choose. Um, some actually require you to do some classwork. Um, it's not like they're going to grade your work, but they are going to teach you how to dissect and, you know, um, study and um yeah, some uh, require you to do some classwork, so they're not going to make you, um, you know, take the take the exams or something like that. But they're going to really help you learn how to dissect the clinical data. Um, for example, UNC affiliated fellowship program they require you to require you to take classes in their first year of fellowship program. Um, on the other hand, IPHO they don't really require you to get involved in IPHO if you don't want to, but it is strongly encouraged. Um, it's a great opportunity for fellows to get involved in mentorship. Uh, leadership opportunities. So, um, Rich, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, um, I totally agree. I think that the, the, the teaching aspect of it, that's really kind of the, the fundamental difference, right, when you're looking at the different university affiliates. 
Um, there are some university affiliates though that I feel like have some really unique offerings. So that is something to consider when you're going forward. Um, just a couple of examples of those, you know, you might see certain ones that offer a master's degree in conjunction or um, certain ones that are very like well-respected in a particular field. Like uh, first one that comes to my mind is HEOR, you know, the University of Washington has a really great HEOR program, things like that. Um, and then in some places, there's even things like the, um, the clinical internships, like they offer at Amgen. So, you know, you actually do a six months, almost like a, a residency, sort of um, getting involved with oncology prior to starting your fellowship. So I think that that's uh, certain things that you might see that are a little bit more unique in certain university affiliates. Uh, IPHO to me was more of like a flexible option. Uh, it really depends on your amount of involvement that you want to have. Uh, so you get the people who are a lot more ambitious or just want to pursue uh, more involvement or some people who, who have a very busy schedule as it is and they need something a little bit uh, less, you know, burdensome. So you can kind of pick and choose how much involvement that you want, just like you said, Jesse. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I think from my perspective, when I was going through that process, uh, when I was trying to decide on the affiliation, I kind of had it on a, a sort of spectrum. And uh, on one side of the spectrum, you have fellowships that are completely independent. And the draw to those, like you guys said, is that you can focus entirely on your company and your position uh, and, and really your full-time job. Whereas on the other side of the spectrum, the fellowships that are affiliated with universities Jesse, like you said, those, you know, you have a lot more requirements that you need to do depending on which, you know, they all differ depending on which fellowship program you go with. But some of them, you know, you have to go and attend things on the weekends, you have to do this and that during the week. Um, and so it takes up a little bit more of your time uh, that otherwise would be spent at the company. And for me, it sounds like obviously we all agreed on the same thing. IPHO was kind of that perfect middle ground between the two. Uh, because it, there's a lot of flexibility, like you said, and it allows you to be as involved or as not involved as you want. Um, so that was very attractive to me. Uh, great. So now that we've talked a little bit about the differences between those types of affiliations, uh, my next question for you guys is to see what you were both looking for in a fellowship program. So can you explain a little bit about, you know, when you were thinking about fellowships, what is it in the program that you were looking for and how has IPHO met those needs for you? And Rich, we'll start with you. All right. Um, so I remember thinking back and I was creating this gigantic list and I had 30 plus prospective companies on it or something like that to start. And as I was whittling it down, you know, one of the things that kept kind of jumping out is that I was really sort of attracted to the unique qualities that some of them had. You know, there was a lot of programs out there and um, a lot of them have similarities, but very few of them have like that standout difference. And I felt like those were the ones that, that stood out to me as uh, being, you know, the highest prospect. So, uh, I already knew that I was really interested in marketing, uh, so that kind of narrowed the field for me because marketing is probably one of the fewer um, that you're not going to see quite as many programs uh, revolving around that. But uh, I did know, you know, just from experience in the past, um, things like medical devices and stuff, uh, that was always, you know, it's a little bit less common. And so that was another attractive quality. That's kind of how I, I landed on BD uh, with, you know, it being such so high on my list. But there was a lot of other ones as well that, uh, they really had kind of that standout quality that made it um, very, very high perspective um, choice for me. Um, and then I think, you know, as far as, as thinking about it from IPHO, uh, it just really made it kind of easy to get through the process, right? So it's, it's right there. It's all in one spot. If there is any additional positions or anything like that, you know, you get the alerts. You can see them all in real time, basically, as they're coming up. There's no real searching and doing all that um, that grunt work 
that it takes with a lot of the other programs. Awesome. Yeah, great. Jesse, how about you? Yeah, when I was looking for the fellowship program, I was looking for the program that had um, the global aspects to it because I was always interested in working with people in EU and then, you know, US and then also people from like Asia. So um, because I had some prior experiences in regulatory operations, I specifically look for the fellowship program for the GRA. And um, yes, like Rich said, there are ample amount of fellowship programs out there and it is really hard to dig out and, you know, narrow down to, you know, uh, top 10 or even top 15 fellowship programs that you want to apply to. So I utilize IPHO fellowship catalog catalog a lot because, um, you know, you can find everything in one place. It basically has everything from brief company information to requirements for the applications and the due dates and then also where to go and apply. So um, that is one resource that I used a lot um, through the IPHO. And then, you know, just a week ago, we had that annual conference. I think that was also very helpful for me um, because I was able to connect with the fellows early on and I was able to get that like insights and helpful tips on how to apply for the fellowship um, program and how to become a competitive candidate. So, um, yeah, IPH really helped me um, to navigate uh, through the a lot of the fellowship programs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, for me, when when I was thinking about fellowship programs and thinking about what I wanted to get from them, uh, I think the really the major thing that I was looking for was the ability to make strong connections with other fellows. Uh, so obviously, you're going to make connections with fellows at your company. So that's for the listeners. That's how Jesse and I know each other. We're both first year fellows at UCB. Um, but Rich works at, in a different company and we, we're not going to run into him on a, on a random day, like a walking through the hall of our company because he works for a different company. But we met because of our affiliation through IPHO. Uh, so I think IPHO was able to provide that, which is what I was looking for. Obviously, most fellowship networks offer that. But then when you take into account the flexibility that IPHO offers, that's something I really wanted because for me personally, I wanted to devote all or as much of my time to UCB. Um, and not necessarily towards things that I was being forced to do. Um, but that being said, I'm still very involved in IPHO, right? So I, I, I like the fact that it gives you that freedom of choice. Um, so to me, that was really important. And that's how IPHO kind of uh, met what I was looking for. So let's move on to uh, our next question. Uh, so we just talked a little bit about affiliations, right? But once applicants have an idea about the type of affiliation that would suit them best, they still need to choose between several companies, right? Rich, you mentioned you had a list of, you know, 30 different options. Um, Jesse, for GRA, there's so many GRA fellowships out there. So what else attracted you to your specific fellowship company that helped you make that decision? Uh, Jesse, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, looking back, my initial impression on fellowship program, um, I think it it really the felt the how I interacted with fellows really you know made a huge part uh, when it comes to choosing the companies and then where I was going to apply to. Um, I think by talking to fellows, I was able to gain very valuable um, aspects or um, the important elements from them, uh, which was is it going to be the healthy working and learning environments for the fellows, and then the, how much visibility am I going to get, and then what kind of networking um, opportunities am I going to get. 
said, um, as a fellow and then availability of the support systems, you know, as a fellow while working at that company. So um, I think you can gauge a lot of stuff and then you can do temperature check um, by talking to fellows. And then I think that was um, how I kind of weaved out of many different um fellowship programs um, down to maybe five or six. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely definitely some good tips in there. And Rich, how, how did you go through that? Yeah, no, <clears throat> Jesse makes a great point. You know, it's, uh, I think that I knew pretty early on that I was going to, you know, be going for a fellowship. And so went to a ton of conferences, had all these opportunities to talk with people. Um, but I think you really start to get an understanding of what the different companies are about. And you start really understanding um, the process and sort of what's important to you as you go along through this this whole interview process um, as it happens and so i think for me what it really came down to was the actual interviews at the company you know so you leave some of the interviews and you're just feeling like so excited Uh, you really feel optimistic about the people that you interacted with or how the interview went or uh, maybe something that you learned about the position that um, came from either the questions or maybe something that they divulged or something through it so um, i think that that really helped kind of narrow the field for me I had some really, really outstanding interviews. Um, I also had some not so great ones. So, you know, it, it certainly like lets you know by the end of it that there's uh, there's a company dynamic or maybe it's a team dynamic or whatever it is that you fit into. And, um, you know, you just get like a really good vibe working with, uh, you know, some prospective team members and things like that. And I think that that really kind of helped seal the deal for me about which company that I was going to choose in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I definitely agree with everything you guys both said. For me, same thing came down to the interview process because naturally, you know, before interviews, it's kind of tough because you're trying to decide which companies to even apply to. And at that point, you don't really know. You may have met with fellows. Most most candidates do that. They schedule meetings with the current fellows and talk and try to figure out, you know, you try to figure out as much information you, as you can about the companies and then you make your list. Um, but depending on how many options are out there, if there's 50 fellowship offerings, you can't apply to all of them. Uh, I mean, you can. I've heard some stories, but uh, it's not really recommended to apply to, you know, 50 different programs. So you kind of have to make a list and, and, and just keep an open mind. I think that would be my biggest advice because... Uh, Rich is 100% right. What, what Rich said, it definitely hits home with me because when I was going through the interview process, it was very obvious to me very quickly which companies I felt like I gelled with versus which ones didn't seem like as quite good of a fit for me, uh, for my personality, what I wanted in my career. Um, so I definitely just keep an open mind going into those uh, those interviews. I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so moving on to our next question. At what point in the fellowship interview process did you know or at least have a pretty good idea of what your top choice was in terms of which position you thought you were, you uh, wanted or were going to accept? Rich? Um, yeah, so I'd be the first to admit that my list had flip-flopped several times. You know, I thought that I knew uh, early on in the process which ones were going to be my top spots, and um, it, it changed very rapidly. You know, it's kind of what I alluded to in the last one. You know, you, you get... Um, a genuinely good feeling when you leave certain interviews and it might not have been a company that you were excited about as much as another, but uh, when you leave those and you, you get like a really good dynamic uh, with the people that you interviewed with or something. Um, I think that one of the biggest things is just having interviewers who are like genuinely excited about the job that they do, the role that they fulfill in, in industry or in society. And I think that that kind of had a big inflection on me. You know, I, I took away um, some of those feelings and I was just to get you all amped up about, you know, doing that same thing or, or contributing in the same way. So um, I think those were parts of the 
the cycle. And eventually, you know, especially with the team I ended up with, they were ones that really relayed that kind of feeling of like, yeah, this is this is the place to be. So, you know, it got me all excited and then um, there was really no going back after that. <laughs> Yeah, I think Rich said a lot of relatable stuff, and I can totally relate to what, you know, his experiences was, you know, to mine. Um, yeah, I think how fellows and an industry manager carry themselves during the interview process and then how passionate they sounded um, during the interview about their work, he made a huge impact on my decision. Um, I think during that process, it was not only important to just correctly evaluate pros and cons of the each fellowship programs, but also like really trusting your guts because yeah, you know, your decision is going to be not decision, but like your top choice is going to likely flip and um, you can kind of freak out because sometimes you find find out something new about the company and then it is unexpected, but just really um, trusting your guts and um, trusting yourself and being confident in your decision-making process. I think that was very um, important for me. Yeah, great. Um, so both of your responses kind of lead into my next question. Uh, and you kind of answered it already, but I, I totally agree with what you guys said, because for me personally, my top choices also totally flipped from, you know, what I thought my choices were going into interviews to then having the interviews, um, what I thought I wanted totally changed. So, um, you know, my top choices flipped. I know you guys said that kind of happened to you as well. Um, so what advice would you have to candidates when they're going through that process? Uh, if they're changing their minds, it can be a little overwhelming because, you know, you think you want one thing and then the next day, the next week you want something different. So, um, what would you say? What can you just talk a, a little bit about that, Jesse? Yeah, um, of course. Um, I felt like I did a lot of soul searching prior to applying for these fellowship programs. And then I was literally very shocked that, you know, some of my top choices flipped and then changed. But um, like I said before, I think really trusting your guts and then being confident in your own decision making process is very important. You have to really trust yourself um, that, you know, these, I think, the the interactions that I had with the presenting team is still carrying on. You know, I'm still having a very good experience. I'm still um, having this feeling that I'm part of their family. So just, you know, knowing, you, you know, who you are talking to and then how you're interacting with and just remembering that feeling. I think that's very important. I don't know, Rich, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that um, for me, I... I... I really had a hard time uh, in the early stages of it, kind of deciding like what was going to be the most important factor. And I think after you experience a certain level of, of these interviews happening, you're going to start to get an understanding that, you know, your your personal feelings and like you said, Jesse, you know, your gut feeling on, on some of these places is really going to play a key factor in that. Yeah, during the interview process, you can kind of tell whether the presenting teams or the interviewers whether they really care about you or not. So one of the experience that I had during the interview, um, my one of the interviewer was actually late to my interview and then didn't know what school I attended. You know, those like a little stuff you can kind of pick on whether they really care about you, whether they really want to get to know you um, as, as the candidate. So I think you will be able to weave out uh, lots of, you know, stuff during the interview process. Yeah, that's a good point. That actually also happened to me as well. Um, during during some of my interviews, I, I noticed the same things that you just mentioned. So sometimes uh, the interviewers would be reviewing my CV like 
for literally for the first time during the interview and you can tell you can tell but some of some other interviewers um they come prepared like and they are ready and they're asking about your experiences that are on your cv and everything um so i I agree i think little things like that do kind of go a long way um so for any interviewers listening uh, i would recommend reviewing candidates cvs and coming prepared because it means a lot to to the candidates that are doing the interviews this episode is brought to you by eli Lilly and company Their Visiting Scientist Fellowship, a highly respected pharmaceutical industry-based program, has developed competitive and marketable industry professionals since 1994. Check out their brochure for all the functional areas covered during this fellowship in the description. Um, So, great. So, in terms of, you know, we talked a little bit about having our top choices flip, and that can be a little stressful, right? But something else that Mm -hmm. I think adds to the stress of fellowship interviews is just the process itself because depending on whether you're virtual or in person your interviews can line up differently but sometimes you have to go from one interview to the next and it can get overwhelming trying to keep track of all the people you spoke to at every company keeping track of all the different uh products of the companies the therapeutic areas that they have so what advice can you give to applicants about how to weigh their options during the interview process and do you have any like tangible tips or things that you did that helped you throughout the process uh, so, Rich, I'll start with you. Yeah. So, I think that um, one of the one of the key factors is just really being organized. Like, you have to you have to create a mindset of being. You know, this has to be your priority. Absolutely. Like, I I understand that you're going through rotations. You have a lot of stuff going on. But you know, if if you're going to be successful going through these dozen or more, you know, interviews, you you have to create uh, an environment where that's going to be a conducive thing for you. And so, I think. Uh, one of the key things that I use, just a, just a basic tool, I created a spreadsheet and I really listed out all the different factors, the things that I um, thought were important to me. Uh, I can just list off a couple of the ones that I had, like the functional area, um, particularly like your area of concentration. So if you're going to work in like oncology or cardio or, or what, um, also the academic affiliation and then your regional location and then whether or not like it has that unique factor, right? So do they offer something that other places don't? And I kind of went through and tracked it as I was going through this interview process. So where was I at as far as getting my letters of rec and where was I at as far as um, filling out the application or submitting it? Uh, did I already complete the application? How did it go? You know, leave yourself a notes section so you can remember these things. And I think that um, just having that kind of organized mindset and putting this at the forefront at the time, which it was a really helpful factor. Uh, also, another thing I would maybe recommend is just having some like-minded people around you. You know, it's not that hard within your university to find some other people who are trying to achieve a similar goal. You know, share notes with them. Be be helpful. Tell them what you experienced if they're going through a similar uh, interview, and kind of expect that reciprocation. Because I felt like that was a really um, a powerful thing. You know, I had a whole group of people around me that were all trying to achieve the same thing, and that was that was a great help. Yeah, I think I think Rich said a lot of great things. Um, I too created the spreadsheet with all the functional area area of concentrations because I mean there's no way you're going to be able to remember all of that before the interview. Um, so that I made my own cheat sheet. Um, so. Since Rich said a lot of great things, <laughs> great things, I don't want to repeat what he just said, but um, I also took notes on who I spoke to, what kind of topic that we um, discussed during the interview, and the, how well I vibe with them. And I think taking notes on the topics that we discussed during the interview helped me a lot because when it comes to writing the thank you note, you can make the very personalized one, right? So um, I think you can also add a little 
column on what we talk about or what we discuss during the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. It's funny because uh, my advice on this also would be to create a spreadsheet. So I, I think that's I think that's a very popular option. Um, I think I think most you know candidates that are well prepared that go through the process and end up being successful. From what I've heard, pretty much all of us have have used that strategy. Jesse, I like how you called it a cheat sheet because that is that was my intention behind creating the Excel sheet. Uh, my intention was, you know, if I have one interview and then another interview, you know, 30 minutes later, I don't have time to prep for an interview in 30 minutes, but I do have time to open up my cheat sheet and at least, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to memorize everything about the company, but at least it's a quick way for me to kind of shift my mind from one company to the next and make sure I'm organized. And I, you know, you're not mixing up products from companies because as soon as you do something like that, that's, you know, that doesn't look good at all. Yeah. And actually, if I'm just going to add one more quick thing for that, just like you were saying, you know, with the thank you letters, uh, it's also really helpful because some of these companies are going to ask for two or three interviews um, on top of that. So, you know, when you can go back and kind of review what you spoke about in the first one, uh, it definitely helps, especially as you're kind of moving up the chain, talking from like a fellow to a director to, you know, or something along those lines. So it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, obviously, the three of us, we went through the fellowship interview process when it was all completely virtual. Um, and I think that's important to point out because I've heard that when mid-year is in person, there are actually boxes on, you know, the company's booths specifically for thank you cards. So, you know, if you're listening to this and, um, you do have fellowship interviews either coming up now or, you know, in the next couple of years, and if you think it is going to be in person, uh, just keep that in mind. So, you know, when you get on your plane and you go to mid-year, make sure you bring some thank you cards because some companies, you know, some companies don't really care too much about that, but some do. And they they do like to see you put in the effort uh, to put it, put that thank you card in there. Uh, for us, it was all emails. I'm assuming that's how you guys did it too. You just sent follow-up thank you emails. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so even if you're virtual, there's still ways that you can, you can, you know, kind of check those boxes and, and make sure that you actually do have the opportunity to express your gratitude to the people that are taking the time to interview you. Um, great. So, so awesome. We, we have, you know, shared a lot of great advice here on this episode. Uh, I just have one final question for you guys and Jesse, I'm going to start with you. So after, you know, this conversation, how would you just summarize your best advice on the process of choosing the right fellowship position for all the pharmacy students and potential candidates that are listening? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I think my uh, advice is to make sure to frequently take a moment to reflect on what your values are, because, you know, while you're doing the interview process that you can't it can be kind of you know, jumbled <laughs> and um, kind of make a habit of recognizing and then readjusting the aspects of the fellowship program that you want to prioritize the most. And like I said before, go with your guts, trust yourself, you know, really trust um, and be confident in decision making process because you know yourself the most. Right. Uh, no one can make that decision for you. So, um, yeah, you guys will do great. You guys will do great. Um, this is your time to shine. So <laughs> awesome. Yep, couldn't agree more. And, and Rich, what would you? <laughs> what, Rich, what would you? Uh, how would you summarize your advice to to the students that may be listening? Um, yeah. So you know, I think everybody kind of goes through this that those moments of like feeling overwhelmed or feeling kind of that that brief bit of panic and shock that hits when you start realizing just how much work goes into the application process and the interviews and everything else. So, um, you know, 
we keep kind of going back to this idea of like the feeling or the, the you know jesse keeps mentioning the gut feeling um, that you get from different places and stuff like that so try not to overthink it too much you know trust yourself to make a, a good call uh, a lot of companies are coming out especially in this kind of covid uh, era that we're we're working through right now you know they're they're moving away from the all that solidified kind of mid-year process right so companies are coming out to try and get the the earliest best candidate that they can and they're they're starting to select earlier and earlier in the year and everything is kind of getting bumped forward um, but it's also being spread out because there's a lot of off cycle stuff that goes all the way throughout so try not to get too caught up in that feeling of like well, I don't have all the information because I haven't interviewed with everybody yet. Mm -hmm. Like if you know that it's a good fit, if you know it's the right company, you know, you just got to be able to trust yourself a little bit, take the, take the leap, you know, uh, accept a good offer if you get one. And um, yeah, just like Jesse said, you know, best of luck. I know that all of you are going to make some amazing candidates and then, uh, you know, hopefully between us, we're looking forward to, to meeting you and in some interviews and stuff hopefully this year. Yay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So yeah. Um, great advice. Thank you. Thank you both for that. I, I think just to end, um, something, something that you both kind of touched on that has been a theme in one of my previous episodes, which is kind of why I want to bring it up again is, um, in terms of, you know, the advice that you guys gave, I think it's really important. Uh, the theme that we just ended it with here is to go with your gut. Um, I think that is something that uh, that's advice that I got through the process and I don't want to repeat stuff I've said in other episodes, but that helped me out so, so much. So I think go with your gut. And then another guest that I had on his advice was, you know, don't worry about what everyone else is doing, because I think yep. something that can be really stressful is when you're going through the process. And then you, if you go on LinkedIn, if somebody did get an early offer, you see people starting to accept fellowships and then you're, you're you start to freak out and you're like, oh, my God, am I behind? Um, am, did I do something wrong? Am, am I not going to get something? And I just think it causes a lot of undue stress. So just come in prepared. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Worry about yourself and go with your gut. And I think you'll be totally fine. So thank you. Thank you both, Jesse and Rich, for, for the advice and for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And I hope all the listeners found this helpful. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in. And uh, next week, we will have some more incredible guests for you. So thanks, guys. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the AbbVie Fellowship Program that aims to provide exceptional biopharmaceutical industry training with a broad exposure within immunology and other therapeutic areas. Learn more about this program as you prepare for a fulfilling career in the pharmaceutical industry.